Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you here for another Tuesday morning episode. And today is a very, very great new release day. But before we get into that, I am eager to share an interview that I did with author Louise Hare, where we discuss her novel, Miss Aldridge Regrets, which came out last summer. And it is the perfect kind of murder mystery that I like to read in the winter when the weather is yucky. There's something about a scary, mysterious, suspenseful book that makes me very happy in the wintertime. So I hope as we are hopefully, you know, saying goodbye to winter here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, hopefully this book will make you happy. So. Let's get started with the usual housekeeping information, then we will move directly into the interview, and then I'll be back to chat with you about some of this week's new books. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Louise Hare about her novel, Miss Aldridge Regrets. This is scheduled to release in the U.S. on July 5th. Louise, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Can we start with a brief introduction to Miss Aldridge Regrets so that listeners can have a little bit of an idea what to expect. Of course. Um, So my main character is Lena Aldridge and she is a jazz singer. She lives in London. And when we come across her, she's basically, um, she always had these aspirations of being this um, Western star on the stage and things haven't really worked out the way she hoped and she's basically trying to make a living singing in this really kind of dingy jazz club um in Soho and then one day this guy comes along and offers her the opportunity of a lifetime which is a role on Broadway um, and a first class ticket on the Queen Mary to travel to New York so it sounds too good to be true um but then Later that night, there's a murder at the club where she works and she thinks, you know, she's not a suspect, so she can leave town. She thinks maybe it's a good idea to 
to, to leave London and, and sort of escape. Um, but then when she's on board the ship, too late to turn back, more murders start to happen and she realises there's something more mysterious going on. Oh, murder on the high seas. <laughs> I love it. Like historical mystery <clears throat> set aboard ship. You know, you can't really escape. Yes. This exactly. sounds like a remarkable amount of like tension and build up to something um, really great that, you know, I was talking with another author earlier in the week about the ways in which tension in these types of books, you know, can be built in so many different ways. And when you kind of pit people against nature or put them in a situation where they're not only fighting off, like, you know, trying to figure out who the murderer is, but also, you know, they're like in the middle of the ocean, like there's no escape. I think that just amps up the tension um, in a really special way. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was sort of hoping for. It's just such an interesting setting to me to, yeah, be sort of trapped in this situation with people you don't trust and, yeah, you can't get out. No, you're just kind of stuck there. Exactly. And I don't know how long it would take to sail from London to New York, but um, probably longer than you would want to be stuck with a bunch of strangers and a murderer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in those days, it was all about speed. So it was actually quicker then um, than it is now um, because people are obviously just doing it for pleasure now, whereas before it was a mode of transport. Um, so I think it was like four and a half days. Um, oh, okay. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's still longer than you would want to be stuck with a murderer. <laughs> I, I would think so. I, I tend to avoid murderers when I can. Yeah, good Which idea. fortunately is most of the time. <laughs> That is, you know, I, I don't live um, the the life of some book characters. I don't find myself like stumbling into murderers kind of randomly. No, I mean, Lena's very unlucky that way. <laughs> she just yes. keeps on stumbling across them. Yes. So what was your inspiration for this book? Like what kind of gave you the idea that a murder like at sea, you know, on this like really luxurious ship, like how, how did that kind of come to mind for you? So um, I was actually studying, I did a master's in creative writing a few years ago. And so I had to write um, a short story and I decided to, we were looking at genre. So I I've decided that I wanted to write sort of a crime short story. Um, and so I wrote about this woman who is a jazz singer and someone gets murdered in her club. And then the story ends where she's sort of leaving town and she's got this ticket in her hand to, to go and get on a ship to New York. Oh, um, so yeah, and then but then my tutor was like, you can't end the story there because like what happens to her next? Like a short story should be complete. Like you should be happy with how it's been resolved. And he and so the main sort of criticism of the story was like it's not finished. So then I was like, ah, oh, I wonder what would happen to her next when she gets on the ship. And then I was like, ah, oh, but what if yeah, what if the murders continue and what does that mean? And then who is behind them? And how do they connect to her? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I've heard, you know, kind of different things from different people about doing um, kind of the like formal study of creative writing. And like some people find it super helpful. Some people say that it makes them feel kind of like stilted in their writing. And so I'm wondering what your impression was of 
like the classes that you took and kind of how that shaped you as a writer? Yeah, so for me, um, the main reason I decided to do a master's in creative writing was that I'd I'd written a novel previously um, and I'd sent it around to probably about 50 literary agents here in the UK and they'd all rejected it. A couple have been like, I know, (laughs) I mean, a couple have been really helpful and they were like, you know, you're so close. Like we like the writing, this book just isn't right. So I guess almost to sort of get my confidence back after all that rejection, I, I I thought, you know, let's, let's try something new. Um, And what I loved about, I mean, each creative writing course is very different. So I would say, you know, there's not one size fits all. I chose the one that I did because we looked at lots of different things. So we looked at short stories, we looked at um, playwriting and screenwriting, we looked at different genres. So it was kind of a bit of everything. Um, And that's kind of what I wanted was just to have a bit of fun with writing and stop thinking about the rejection. (laughs) Yes, I, I am guessing that that would be kind of one of the hardest things to have written something and then send it off to a bunch of people. And even if they're like helpful in their comments, like at the end of the day, they're still saying no. And I'm guessing that that could be quite a blow to one's one's confidence and kind of self-esteem. Exactly. I mean, it is, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a really, really difficult um, period. Like I think I was sending the novel out over about the course of a year. So you'd, I'd send like to a bunch of agents and then wait and, and, and repeat as the rejections came in. Um, but I, and one of the good things is that it sort of sets you up because the rejection never finishes <laughs> when you're a writer. Like there's always opportunities that you hope to get. And then sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't. So mm-hmm. um, I guess it made me sort of a stronger person. And I think, you know, there are very few writers that haven't gone through like a similar scenario a similar process so it is just sort of one of those things you have to get used to so once you kind of finished your course and you were ready to you know look at this short story and kind of expand it into the novel that will be in the world here in just a few more days at least at the time of recording um was it difficult for you to kind of put all those rejections kind of in the past and say okay like we're starting, we're starting fresh, like we're, you know, creating something different. Like, did that kind of get in your way at all? Uh, yeah, I guess. So the way it actually happened was, because this, this is my first book published in the US, but I have had a book published in the UK a couple of years ago. Ah. Um, so, so actually weirdly, this, this book was okay because I was sort of writing, I was sort of writing it, um, sort of in between so I had a publishing deal but the first book hadn't come out so I was sort of writing in that space which I think was really good because I didn't have the stress of having a book out there and looking at reviews um that came that came later um so I could just have like fun with it because the first book that I had published was um it dealt a lot with like racism and some quite hard topics and I find it really difficult to write so this one was just Ah. really fun because it was just you know murders and martinis and yeah um I could just really have fun with it so um so yeah so now do you kind of feel like crime fiction is is where you want to stay or are there other things that you would like to explore like in in future books yeah um 
I really enjoy, so the two of my favourite genres are historical fiction and also crime fiction. And obviously with this one, I'm kind of doing a bit of both. So I would say definitely I'm sticking with historical. Um, um, I've got ideas for more books that are crime, sort of historical crime. Um, But then I've also got a really creepy ghost story idea that I want to do, which isn't crime. So um, so yeah, I think as long as I stay in my historical lane, (laughs) I think my, hopefully my agent and my editors are happy. And then, yeah, I mean, I like a crime because it's a really, it's a really easy way to just inject some drama immediately and then sort of watch you know, watch what happens to everyone to hold your characters, see how they react to things. Um, but yeah, I do have this other idea that I'm sort of working on very early planning stages, which won't be crime. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So do you have a, a period in history that you particularly like, or are there like several different periods that kind of speak to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so the first two books I've written that have been published are sort of 20th century um, historical. Um, I did write, during the lockdowns in 2020, I did write something set in the 1760s, um, but it's not quite right. So I need to do some more work with it. But actually that period was really fun because um, people were just doing whatever they wanted. Like, you know, especially in London, it was sort of really growing into like this huge, the huge city that it is today. And people were just going out and drinking too much gin and, you know, just having fun. <laughs> it was kind of a crazy time. So I had a lot of fun researching that, that period. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I would go back any earlier than that. Okay. But I kind of like, yeah, I kind of like anything that I can look up, like the fashion, sort of like the fancy dresses. I love just, you know, wasting time on research that won't end up in the book, but I can just look at pretty pictures. <laughs> I was just going to ask you what your thoughts were on research, because I think for mm. me, I I don't like research. Like I get very, very bored very quickly, especially in like reading some of the, you know, kind of drier, like mm. text um, yeah. articles. And so, but yet I know that a lot of people, especially people who write historical fiction, really find the research, like not just sort of a necessary thing, but a rewarding part of what they do. So I'm wondering kind of where you fall on the research spectrum. Yeah. So I have, I've learned how to research in a way that makes it less boring for me, because I agree that I, I find reading, you know, pure nonfiction, like big heavy texts like yes. yeah my mind just switches off after like a chapter so I mean part of the reason that I probably wouldn't go any other than the 1700s is because I usually start off reading novels from that that were written at that period and obviously okay. the, so the novel doesn't exist sort of before that time um right so I sort of read that get an idea of I guess what people's expectations were of like of the day like how they viewed the world um you can get some like really good um sort of slang words in that you might not have heard of um and so I start there and then I just try and change it up so like looking at pictures of stuff um (laughs) it sounds like I'm a child but yeah it's looking at you know just mixing things up so when I was researching for for Miss Aldridge for example um looking at all the pictures of the Queen Mary looking at the deck plans um and sort of trying to 
envisioned my characters in those rooms that I could see. Um, I live not far from the British Library here in London. So, I mean, the, you can get pretty much any book um, that's ever been written, either, you know, physically or they have they have it digi- um, digitally. Um, and I actually managed to get copies of the ship's paper from 1936. Um, so from oh. the actual Queen Mary. So uh, not the exact setting that Lena's on. I think it's the one before. Um but yeah, it was just, you know, you could look at, see what adverts were in there and what movies they were showing that night in, you know, the the hall and that kind of thing. So, so I like variety, I think is what I'm trying to say. I would say that's fair. I think that would make things more interesting, especially if you're looking at, like you said, like the, the ship paper and things that mm. aren't just like textbooks or you know, kind of like very research heavy, like journal articles. Mm. Um, you know, I think if you can find some stuff that actually like directly relates to the thing that you're working on, I would guess that that would kind of make the process um, a little bit more kind of intriguing and enjoyable. Yeah, definitely. And I also, I recommend for anyone that's writing historical fiction, not to do too much research before you start writing, um, ah. because you can get really distracted and start trying to put too much of it into your novel so what I try and do is work out the things I absolutely need to know before I start writing and I just research those and then as I go along I sort of do research into this I'm like okay I need to know more about that so then I'll go and find out that fact as well and again it stops you having to read those huge textbooks because you might pick it up and then there's like one because you know what you're looking for that you'd be like okay it's that chapter I just have to read those few pages and then you're done. So do you find that difficult to kind of like shift from the writing space? Like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm creating my world and my characters, but then, oh, like there's something I need to like do more research on. Like, is that a hard pivot from writing to research or do you like keep writing in, in some form and then like have a day that's devoted to research? Yeah. So if, yeah, if that happens to me, I'll, I'll generally sort of look at my calendar and go, okay, when can I find, you know, if, if it's something I can't find online and I'll be like, okay, or what day can I go and go to the library and, and find this out? But yeah, I'll definitely keep writing because also the idea is that, you know, if I, what, you know, if I find something else that I need to look, I can go and do that all in one day. Um, so you know, I try and keep writing in, in the next scene. And I think, with both my soldiers and the book I'm I'm sort of writing at the moment, which is actually a sequel, there are sort of two timelines. So if I get stuck in one timeline, I'd be like, okay, let's leave that until I can find that information. And I'll just like skip oh. into the other timeline. So it sort of doesn't feel as though I'm jumping ahead as such because I'm just sort of moving into the different strand. Right. You're in like a different part of the story but not in a mm. way that you're like oh I'm just like skipping this for now yeah exactly yeah because I hate like I have to write like sequ- sequentially usually I can't I know there's some writers who just you know write who can write a scene and then write a scene for much later um and then sort of put them together later but I can't do that I do have to write you know chapter by chapter I have heard of people who will kind of write out of order, like scenes will come into their mind and they won't necessarily know, you know, where in the book they occur. Mm. They just know, you know, that they do. And I'm always really fascinated by that because it seems like that would be a very difficult 
thing then to go through and you have all these like things that you've written, you know, at different, at different times. And then you have to sort of like piece them together, I would think. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, that would drive me crazy, but, (laughs) but I know there are people that just enjoy doing that. So I think, I guess the rule is there's no rule. You just have to write the way that, that works for you. So do you find that your process has changed from like writing that first book that was published in the UK to writing Miss Aldridge to now working on your your current project? Um, Have you kind of changed things in the way that you write or the way that you approach the actual like process of creating a book? Yeah, I think not in terms of, I guess, the process of actually creating it and because I guess because I don't really plot either. So that's, you know, that's not change. I sort of ah. just learn, learn the characters and then the characters sort of, as I get to know the characters, I'm like, okay, I think um, I think I should murder this person, for example. That's <laughs> what I did a lot in this book. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of sitting down, because when I was writing the first book and when I was doing my master's, I was working full-time as well. So it oh. was, you know, I had to be really like, I had to schedule so I'd be like okay I'll get up at an hour early today and I'll need to try and write as much as possible so I'd set myself a lot of like word counts per week to make mm-hmm. sure that it got done um and like now sort of writing and I, I do like freelance or quite a lot of freelance work as well to pay the bills um so yeah it's, it's weird yeah it's helpful <laughs> um so yeah because and then because the freelance stuff is like you're never quite sure when it's going to come in um it it has been difficult to get into a routine and I think with all the sort of lockdowns and things um I'm still trying to figure everything out so stuff is getting done it's just not always getting done in the most um you know the best way (laughs) in terms of me getting into a routine I think the pandemic in a lot of ways has changed the way people approach like so many things. Um, Mm. You know, I see it here in the U S where everyone's just like, okay, no, there's no more COVID. Like we're just done. Mm. Um, And I can kind of see like the difference in, in the people who just decide like, we're all done with this versus like other people who are still like, Oh, you know, I should, I should still be careful. Mm. And it seems like, you know, people are just kind of floundering to figure out, you know, the best way to kind of proceed. And I've heard from a lot of people that like routines um, still remain kind of tricky, even, you know, like two years and some like Mm. out from the start of the whole COVID thing. Yeah, I just think, I think it's been a difficult time for everyone sort of like mentally, you know, I think most of us have struggled in one way or another. And I think it is just, yeah, trying to, like, we talk about like getting back to normal, but actually the new normal is different to the old normal just because it is. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to take till at least the end of this year for me to sort of get my head around everything that's gone on. Have you seen, like, in things that you've read, like, have you seen um, the pandemic kind of depicted in fiction or has, like, most of the stuff that you've read kind of stayed away from it? Yeah, I have heard of some books that have dealt with it, but I haven't got around to reading them yet. 
Um, okay. I don't I don't know that it will put me off. I think I was just thinking about this because if I write this sort of ghost story that I'm thinking of, um, part of it will be contemporary and part of it will be historical. Um, and I was thinking, like, should I? Because I've not started writing yet. I'm like, should I reference it? Um, and I think actually I might do because otherwise, you know, what are we just going to pretend it didn't exist? Or, you know, I think, you know, if we go back a hundred years to sort of the flu, the big flu pandemic, yeah. um, it might have been actually, you know, quite useful to have known more about that when COVID has, because then we would have we not have felt like it was such. I don't know. I feel like if I have knowledge, I don't get as scared. I think if I'd understood that the flu pandemic followed a similar pattern right. earlier, then I wouldn't have like freaked out as much in March 2020 um, when we suddenly went into all these lockdowns and it felt like everything was coming to an end or something. Um, so actually, I think I'd rather that we didn't pretend it, you know, to like sweep it under the carpet, you know, because it was a difficult time. But then I think, you know, writing is to explore those those things. And we should sort of have the option to, I mean, not for to be able to read about those things or, or choose not to if, if we don't want to as well. I don't know what this says about me, but I am fascinated with books about like plagues and pandemics. And so mm. <laughs> I have even, you know, way before COVID, I, you know, was always kind of looking for that historical fiction that took place like during, you know, 1918 mm. um, or, you know, in the Middle Ages, like during the Black Death. And so I think, you know, for me, I, the COVID pandemic was startling in some ways because now, you know, it's actually happening in real life as opposed to something mm. that I'm reading about and kind of knowing about in the abstract. But I do find myself drawn to those types of books that sort of show you know what people did to get by yeah yeah I mean that's what you know that's why I love historical fiction because you know you can almost it's like being a time traveler you can explore those those times and see you know what people were doing and I think you know hopefully at some point COVID will be historical or at least in the, in the same way that the flu pandemic is. Obviously, we still have flu, but the pandemic right. um, is historical. So, so yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, I guess what people write over the next ten years and who chooses to sort of revisit. Yeah, I've seen. I think more books that tend to stay away from it, like people are choosing mm-hmm. to write, you know, like before the pandemic actually happened, or to write in such a way that it doesn't, it almost just like doesn't have to come up. But I have mm. seen a few books um, that even if they're not like quote unquote COVID books, they weave sort of that pandemic into the story. Like I think the first one I came across was um, Karen Slaughter's False Witness. Mm. And it was not a book about COVID, but as the characters were sort of living their lives and trying to deal with like the crime that was at the center of the book, COVID was sort of a a consideration. And so we talked about, you know, people having to wear masks and Mm. the great kind of backlog that we continue to have in the US here in like the legal system and like how long it takes Mm. things to go to trial. Um, And it was just really fascinating to see kind of how she wove the realities of COVID into, you know, the, the fiction of like her, her crime novel. 
Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think if, if I read a book and, so, and it was like, oh, this is set in 2021 or 2022 and it didn't mention COVID, I would think that that was weird because we talk yeah. about it. I mean, we're talking about it, you know, now. Like I talk about it every day, <laughs> right. even though it's not directly affecting me right now. So it is just something that we talk about. And I think, yeah, to ignore it and pretend that people aren't talking about it every day. Um yeah, it feels a bit odd. It's almost like, you know, setting a book in 1942 and pretending there's no war going there's on. There's no war. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you might not, you know, especially if you're writing at that time, you might not, you know, you might not want to um, <laughs> talk about it because, you know, you, you'd still be living through it. But again, you know, um, I think after or once you feel safe, um, then I think it's okay. And I think it it makes more sense to include it even if it is, you know, just like you were saying, the practicalities. Um, right. Just sort of it. knowing that these things exist and you mm. have to kind of work around them exactly. in your daily life. Yeah. So I'm winding down here, but before I let you dash off, I have to ask you what you have read recently that you think the world should know about. Ooh. Um, so I have just read uh, a book called I'm just gonna grab it actually because it's here so make sure I don't get the person's name wrong um the change by Kirsten Miller oh that looks so good yeah so I don't know when it's out in the US it's out here in August um and it's being published by my publisher so I got hold of an early copy I think it is out here already yeah cool but yeah like in May uh okay cool yeah so go go and get it um so it's about three women who are going through the menopause and they develop these kind of superpowers, but they're like realistic superpowers, you know, they're not, you know, laser eyes or anything. It's, you know, (laughs) it's sensible things. Um, And yeah. And so they go about basically sort of solving um, this mystery in in this small town where they live um, and bringing people to justice and I just, it was just such a page turner. I'm yes, really well written. been on my radar for a little bit, like since I first saw the blurb. Um, and I think I actually have it sitting somewhere. I have an iPad that is full of like nothing but books. <laughs> and so somewhere in one of my many like book apps, um, I, I do believe that this book sits um I'll have to actually, you know, go through and find it, but I do believe it is there. Well, you should definitely read it. (laughs) I will do that. Move it up your list. Yes. 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 Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule just ahead of your publication day to chat with me and to let listeners know a little bit about who you are and what you write. Before I let you dash off, can I ask you, where people can find you online? So uh, I have a website, which is louisehair.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. And my handle is at lourhair. Perfect. Again, this has been a discussion with author Louise Hare about her novel, Miss Aldridge Regrets, which is scheduled to be released here in the U.S. on July 5th. All right, new books. So, as always, I'm starting with a few that you've heard us mention previously. 
um, on our most anticipated releases of February episode. So we have Robin mentioned Black Candle Women by Diane Marie Brown. This is one that I am also very, very excited about. Natalia is looking forward to Cold-Blooded Liar, which is the first book in Karen Rose's San Diego series. A bunch of us on the podcast really love Karen Rose. And so a new release day for her is always a reason to celebrate here on Book Bistro. Brooke, all of the books that she talked about on our February episode are out this week. We have Delicious Monsters by Liesel Samberry, The Angel Maker by Alex North, and Chaos Theory by Nick Stone. So those are books that you've heard us mention previously. I now want to tell you about a few things that we haven't talked about before. So Shannon Mayer releases the second book in her Alpha Territory series. It's called Hunted by Fate. I read Taken by Fate. Actually, I just finished it earlier today, and it was amazing. I am so excited for the second book. I was looking for it on Audible today um, because it came out actually on the 27th rather than the 28th. And sadly, I did not see it yet. So I'm hoping that it will be there very, very soon. This is like the Hunger Games, but with vampires and sex. Um, Everything about it is phenomenal. So the second book is Hunted by Fate, Alpha Territories, book two by Shannon Mayer. We also have Wraith's Revenge. This is the 10th book in Carrie Arthur's Lizzie Grace series. Carrie Arthur is amazing in everything she does. I love her Riley Jensen books, her um, Lizzie Grace books. I've read a couple of books that she's done about dragons. I know that Brooke really likes her Phoenix series. Um, So if you've never read Carrie Arthur and you love very high octane, high steam Um, urban fantasy, I highly, highly recommend her. So this one is Wraith's Revenge. It's Lizzie Grace, book 10 by Carrie Arthur. We also have Ironclad. This is Ravencursed, book six by Mackenzie Hunter. This is a Mackenzie Hunter series that I haven't read, although I do really like her Sky Brooks series. And I definitely plan to branch out from there and read some of her other stuff. In the Sky Brook series, she has very complicated relationship dynamics, which is something I'm always drawn to in urban fantasy. So if you've never read her, again, an author that I recommend. This one, I think, just doesn't get as much attention as I think she deserves. So this one is Ironclad, Ravencursed, book six by Mackenzie Hunter. We also have some YA fantasy. A Day of Fallen Night by Samantha Shannon. Now, you may associate her primarily with YA fantasy, which is why I'm talking about her here, um, because of her Bone Season series. But this one, A Day of Fallen Night, is actually a prequel to The Priory of the Orange Tree, which is more of an adult fantasy. And so I'm assuming that this one will also have more of the adult feel, although I do not know that for sure. So this, once again, is A Day of Fallen Night. It's by Samantha Shannon, and it is a prequel novel. 
We also have a new Shannon Chakraborty who wrote um, under the name S.A. Chakraborty when she released her City of Brass series. Um, but this one is The Adventures of Amina al Sarefi. And the first book is the same title. And these are young adult kind of epic fantasy. Um, that really nice mix of high fantasy with romantic elements. I'm really excited to see how this series unfolds because her uh, Defabad trilogy, which started with City of Brass, was just so, so complex. Um, she wrote about Jin, which I think are fascinating characters. And I'm just really drawn to her writing style. So this is one that I will definitely be checking out. It is The Adventures of Amina El Serefi. Adventures of Amina El Serefi, book one by Shannon Chakraborty. We also have Nightbirds. This is Nightbirds, book one by Kate J. Armstrong. I have heard a ton of pre-publication buzz about this one. It is about three young women who have the power to save the world. They are part of this sort of society where they are considered to be nightbirds. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I can guess. Um, and this is one that I do plan to read as soon as I can get my hands on it. So this is Nightbirds. Nightbirds, book one by Kate J. Armstrong. So Natasha Preston is known for writing young adult thrillers, but she's coming out with one this week that looks to kind of straddle that line between thriller and fantasy. So this is The Island, and it's by Natasha Preston. Um, it is categorized as a thriller set in a fantasy land. So I'm not sure. I've not read Natasha Preston. I think Brooke has read a few of hers and really enjoyed her. But I'm always interested when authors read, you know, try to do something that's a little different from what they're known for. So this is one that I will definitely be keeping an eye on, even if I don't read it right away, since I want to read some of her actual thrillers first before I delve into her fantasy. But this is The Island, and it's by Natasha Preston. So transitioning a little bit now to some mystery thriller slash like suspense things, I want to talk about The Secrets of Hartwood Hall by Katie Lumsden. This is a gothic historical mystery, and we don't see a lot of those these days, but I'm always very, very excited when we do because I love kind of the like creepy old house in some sort of remote location with like forbidden places, you know, like an East Wing or a West Wing or an attic. Um, those I think are just very, very cool and were the bread and butter of my reading for a period of time. So I'm always glad when authors sort of return to that kind of classic style. And that is exactly what this book does. So this is The Secrets of Hartwood Hall by Katie Lumsden. Dana Schwartz released Anatomy either in late 2021 or early 2022. 
And this week we have Immortality, which is the second book in the anatomy duology. This is another sort of historical mystery. It is often compared to Stalking Jack the Ripper by Carrie Maniscalco. So it might sort of straddle that paranormal line as well, although I'm not positive about that. I own the first book and I was waiting for this one to come out because I hear that anatomy definitely ends on a cliffhanger. So now that this one is coming out, I will be able to read them both. This is Immortality, Anatomy Book Two by Dana Schwartz. And Margot Hunt is an author that I haven't seen much from in the past little while, but she is releasing Lovely Girls. And this little blurb that I read made me very, very happy because it is about murder and clicks and mind games, all of which befall a mother and daughter who are looking for a fresh start. Now, that's not my idea of how to find a, a fresh start, but it is my idea of a great, great book. So I am definitely planning to pick this up. This is Lovely Girls by Margot Hunt. And The Maid's Diary. This is by Loris Ann White. It is coming out on Wednesday, so actually March 1st. She is a Canadian author who I first read, I want to say in like 2014, with The Slow Burn of Silence. And I've been a fan of hers ever since. Um, her Angie Pallarino series is one of my very favorite sort of romantic suspense trilogies. I just think she is amazing. And I'm always very, very glad when she releases a new book. So this is The Maid's Diary by Loris Ann White. And I want to talk about some romances. I'm going to start with a young adult romance. And that is The Karma Map by Nisha Sharma. She wrote My So-Called My so Bollywood Life, which is another YA romance. She also wrote Dating Dr. Dill, which is um, a contemporary romance more for adults. Um, but this one is YA, and it is about a road trip through India, which serves as kind of the catalyst for some self-discovery for both our male and female leads. This is The Karma Map by Nisha, Nisha Sharma. We also have The Wolf and the Wildflower. This is a historical romance by Stacey Reed. It is out on the 27th rather than the 28th. My caution for you, I love, love, love Stacey Reed's writing. I think she does amazing historical work. My Darling Duke is one of the best historical romances I've ever read, but I bought it in audio and was horrified by the reader. Um, so if you are looking for some diverse, lovely, enchanting historical romance, do, do pick up Stacey Reed. But Definitely sample the audio narration before you buy, because the narrator that was used in a lot of her books, I found kind of terrible. So just want to put that out there in case you are also kind of particular about the audiobook narrators you listen to. But this should not sort of steer you away from Reed's writing because she is marvelous in every sense of that word. And once again, her latest is The Wolf and the Wildflower. And again, that's by Stacey Reed. Lastly, I want to talk about The Neighbor Favor, 
by Christina Forrest. I've seen a bunch of pre-pub buzz about this one, and Forrest has been on my list of authors to try. Um, it looks like it's kind of a grumpy sunshine trope, which is very cool. Um, and I also kind of like that, you know, new neighbor kind of falling for each other thing. Um, this is also a book I think Stacy would be drawn to, but this is The Neighbor Favor by Christina Forrest. So those are some of the things coming out this week. I hope that you are finding lots of things to read and keep you company as 2023 keeps moving on. Um, as always, I hope everyone is staying safe, well, and of course, well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. <laughs>